Hello everyone and welcome to Dairy Pod. I'm Rory McDonald from the Dairy Australia farm team. Today's episode comes from South Australia, where Brad and Karen Fisher have built a compost barn system for their 600 cow dairy herd. Brad's a strong advocate for keeping cows under cover and believes the industry and wider public needs to take a fresh look at how systems from an economic and an animal welfare perspective. Talking to Dairy SA's Extension Officer Beck Burgess, Brad runs through his whole farming system which sees most feed grown on farm and cows milk three times a day. Interestingly, Brad explains that fertility has improved since his cows went under the roof and he has an intriguing explanation as to why he thinks that is. Well, let's get into it with Beck starting off by asking Brad to give a rundown of his overall farm business. So we're here at Meningi on uh, Lake Abbott and on the lower lakes. Um, and yeah, we milk, we milk sort of, yeah, anywhere from 580 to 640 cows in a year-round calving system, milking three times a day uh, in a compost barn. Okay. And your um, system that you have here, is it solely reliant on feed that you grow on-farm or do you bring them out feed in for that diet? Uh, predominantly what we grow on-farm is, is that's our... That's what we aim to grow is as much as we can. Sure. Now, being on the lower lakes, um, there's obviously some irrigation that you have comprised in your farm as well. Um, what um, or what amount of irrigation would you have to um, grow feed for the diet that you are implementing in your system here? So we got two hundred and ten hectares of irrigation, but not all of that's utilised for growing pasture. We uh, this year we're looking to grow some carrots for carrot seed. So uh, cash crops, uh, so opportunity opportunity cash crops also come into play and then that finances purchasing your feed as well, but predominantly it's maize, maize loosen and, uh, and, and cereal hay. Great, and um, with the system that you've got, so how long have you had your barn for now? When did the barn go in? Would be five years now, I think. Okay. Yeah. So five years you've been um, with your TMR barn system there, and what were you? How were you farming before? What did that look like, and how did you get into actually having a barn here on farm? If we go way back, uh, I spent some time in Canada and Sweden, uh, milking cows in barns in the in the early two thousands. Uh, we'd always milk cows here at Campbell House, but sort of six to seven hundred cows in a pasture based system. Millennium drought came along. Water in Lake Albert disappeared, and I think in 2007 we sold all our cows, got out of milking for two years, um, because we just haven't didn't have any any drinking water. We had we had we had feed for the cows, and the crops grew. We had our average season for nearly every year of the millennium drought, um, but uh, yeah, just didn't have any any drinking water for the cows. So we sold the cows, and then 2009 we had uh, the local. SA Water put in uh, town water for us so we could start running stock on farm again, started milking cows again in a sort of rubble pad, concrete type, concrete trough, uh, feed pad type setup. So I started buying in cows again and, and, and TMRing our cows that way and then grew into, into uh, a barn. So with the barn, was the ultimate, what was the ultimate decision that made you go into a full barn setup as opposed to just having a feed pad 
um, on its own as, say, a PMR system as opposed to going full TMR? What was the rationale behind venturing into a full shedded system? Seeing the benefits of the TMR when the seasonal or even the conditions were perfect, when it was cool but dry and having a good quality ration, uh, seeing what your cows did when it was like that, but then as soon as it got wet or as soon as it got hot, feed spoiled, feed wasted, cows heat stress, cows miserably mud, all those negative parts of, of the conditions not being ideal uh, was the reason why we decided to, I guess, control the environment. So was it consistency, do you think, or a risk mitigation to offset some of those climatic conditions as well for the animals? It was based on the fact that we, we had options when we were pasturing and we where the irrigation, irrigation and, and stock and domestic water wasn't there, we didn't have any option. In the barn, we have the flexibility, we could truck water in or do whatever we need to do. Or, um, but in, in regards to a cow, a cow just loves, loves boring. So the same things every day is what the cow what the cow is after and the barn the barn delivers that it delivers quality feed 24 hours a day shade uh housing and 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 water which is everything everything a cow wants so you don't get that with a outdoor feed pad type setup or in a, in a pasture base system so it's creating that consistency for correct. those animals correct yeah yep. so from a people perspective how did people go adjusting from a or yourselves and staff adjusting from a pasture-based system to a barn system was it easier than the cows or harder uh easy on everything because there's nothing worse than about to drag yourself out of bed for the morning milking and here in the rain pelting down on the bloody roof of your house knowing that you've got to go get on a motorbike for an hour to get the cows in and roll up a tape and do all that sort of stuff you're outside and the cows, yeah, 15 minutes and the cows are from the barn to the dairy, you're milking, cows are back in the barn. Uh, yeah, that sort of stuff on the, on the staff is easy. It, it, it turns the, everybody's, everybody's tasks and, and uh, jobs are clear every day. So it, 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 uh, it, simplifies, it simplifies the job. But yeah, the cows just love the fact that Today is the same as tomorrow is the same as the day after and they've got everything they need in the in the barn. So for people listening at home or wherever they're listening at the moment, um, just explain what the barn setup actually looks like at the moment. So centre feed lane, which is where we drive down with the tractor and mixer wagon and, and feed the feed the um, feed the ration to the cows. Cows have just got a neck rail, they put their heads through. Above that neck rail uh, are some misters or sprinklers. So their temperature controlled gets above about 26 degrees. They start up and start calling the cows down. Cows stand with their heads through that rail there. And uh, the cows are standing on rubber mats. So the width, the length of the cow, 1.8 metres, is a rubber mat. Behind that is, I reckon it's 1.2 metres uh, of, of thoroughfare for the other cows to walk back and forward. The barn is 220 metres long, 53 metres wide. So um, there's enough room for about 300 cows down each side, and they're, they're run as separate herds. Uh, you got water troughs, water trough, five, six water troughs down each side, and then there was four, four uh, 
crossover areas where the cows can walk in onto the compost 1.2 high meter walls so the compost can can keep some depth to it which the the, the key to making compost is is keeping it warm uh, and by keeping it warm you need you need depth of compost so the cows come and go onto the feed and to water as they please and then they go and then they go and camp uh, on the compost when they've decided they've had enough eating and drinking pretty much You've explained a little bit of the setup. Now, obviously, it would have taken... This is not something that just happened overnight for mm. you. Um, and it's an incredible um, investment that you've had to had to make on farm. Um, how did you come to that decision? And are you um, happy to share with people who are listening around about the cost um, and the decision process that you went through uh, to implement this major capital investment in your farm? So it was, it was something I always wanted to do. Uh, but it was probably three to four years in the making, uh, in the planning. There wasn't a lot of it uh, on a on the scale that I was looking at doing. That sort of six hundred cows. You had you had moxies who do it do it beautifully over thousands of cows. But it was a challenge to find compost barns uh, in Australia which had been operating. So um, we did lean on guys like David Altman. Uh, David and Karen Altman at Bridge a lot and, and uh, hit them up for as much information as we could and then decided to dive in. Uh, when we did, we used some uh, expertise out of America for facility design um, and then sort of got into it. Uh, yeah, the, the costings for that 600 cows uh, would have been around about... It was, it was a challenge because we had to redo our effluent system and everything all at once and then part of that was also upgrading our irrigation uh, as well. So some things mixed together. So I would, I would say that it, it, did, it did cost me the whole irrigation upgrade, effluent system, barn, uh, all that would have cost me three and a half grand a cow. I reckon 1,500 of that would have been uh, the irrigation upgrade, we put fibre optic into all of the, all of the eight pivots uh, so we can do all of our irrigation remotely, which includes turning on the effluent pumps to go to the pivots and, and, and all the rest. Uh, so, yeah, effluent ponds themselves would have, been, would have been 500 bucks a cow, then down to sort of 1,500 bucks a cow for the, for the barn itself. And looking back at what you've invested now, the payback on that with now the ability, you're obviously um, 3x, so three times a day milking and the like. Has that for you been a good investment of what you've seen to where you are now? Absolutely. We, we, obviously, the milk price didn't play the game for the first, for the first couple of years. Uh, plus, we, were, I don't know, we had a fair level of debt beforehand. Um, but... Yeah, no, no. Just I think I think I worked out. I worked out going from a from a twelve thirteen percent feed wastage on the old feed pad down to one or two percent without without production gains, which we obviously got uh, staying two times a day. There was an eleven year payback, which I didn't think was that bad at all. Uh, but then going from two times a day to three times a day, fifteen uh, percent increase in milk cell count dropped. Uh, the uh, incidence of mastitis dropped. One of the major benefits that I found, which still surprises me to this day, is going from two times a day to three times a day, and the barn plays an integral part of that too, was the uh, reproduction increases. The cows just getting calf so much either easier. 
regardless of production. Everyone says that the production pressures are on the cow. I, I believe it's the physical stress of the cow holding 12 hours of milk, which is why the cow doesn't get in calf. We run predominantly sex semen over our cows, over the better quality cows, beef, uh, and it's only, we, don't, we only AI our cows, we, we don't use any bulls, um, and then beef over the rest. And our conception rates have just continually uh, improved every year. Cow conditions increases, cow uh, reproduction increases. And yeah, my, by, by using sex semen over the best quality cows and the beef over the poorer quality cows, uh, my semen bill stays the same every year, but I end up with better quality progeny and a better value uh, progeny as well overall. Do you feel that the system that you have um, is aiding in cow comfort, animal welfare? Where do you, in your experience, where do you see the barn fitting in with that? You can't force good production. You can't, you can't, you can't get cows to just produce milk because you make them. Uh, cow comfort is a key driver to cow production and is a key driver for cow reproduction. So, yeah barns a long time ago which is which is what perception is based on was i guess i guess without without a full understanding of that whereas now the cows the barn was designed for the cow to come first and then people second if the cow is the cow is happy and content then production will come as long as you've got the the good quality ration for them and then the reproduction follows follows with that as well so yeah yeah cow, cow comfort cow comfort is 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 the driver uh, for what we do um, so yeah we're looking at putting in fans to further 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 increase that that cow comfort so we can cool the cows a little bit better in summer and 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 dry the compost a little bit better in winter as well so when we're talking about cooling cows what do you say to people who have a preference of seeing cows outside on grassy hills and the like on a 40 degree day under a shady tree as opposed to sitting in a tin shed there aren't too many two million dollar tin sheds around um there's a lot more thought going into the barn than what people might might think uh it is all designed cow traffic it's actually designed to on a dead calm day when the misters are on uh you can actually see the the design of the barn the pitch of the roof you can actually see the 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 heat coming off the cow's back with the misters spraying on them and the, and the, and the, the, the fog from the misters actually getting drawn out through the, through the open centre of the barn. It's actually engineered to create a draft on a, on a calm day, which if you're out there under a tree, that doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't do that. So stinking hot days. Animals are, uh, cows are a domesticated animal like your cat or your dog if it's sideways rain. Or even like us humans, if it's sideways rain, stinking hot, unless the conditions are perfect, you don't want to be outside. You want to be inside where the feed is, where the water is, where you're able to be comfortable. It does appear that the number of barns or people looking into the number of barns is growing, uh, potentially slowly, but there is great interest in it. Do you think as an industry we need to tackle the public perception of what a barn system is and what that means for, from a welfare perspective? Absolutely, absolutely. Around about 10% of the cows in Australia are housed and they produce roughly 16-17% of 
the milk within Australia. And that, that number is growing and it's, it's, it's not growing slowly, it's growing, it's growing rapidly. Uh, people in high rainfall areas through to, through to uh, southern New South Wales, northern Victoria, what your traditional irrigation areas, lower, lower rainfall, those people are realising the value of, of the feed that they grow. And, in, and then the flow and effect of that is the, the value of the feed that they waste. So, um, yeah, the, the, the house cow thing is, is, is coming at the dairy industry full steam, whether they, whether they like it or are ready for it or not. I do understand that uh, whenever, whenever anybody thinks of the dairy industry, they think of cows, green paddock, and, and under, the, under the big, big wide blue sky. But, um, but that doesn't mean that that's the way that, because it's the way it's always been, that doesn't mean the way that it always has to be. At some stage there, uh, people only used horses and now they're using tractors and people embrace that. It's, it, is, it is a change, change in mentality for both the farmers within the industry and the consumers, the consumers that, that use the product of this industry. Uh, it needs, the, the consumer needs educating and so does, and so does the dairy farmer. Uh, I, I don't think we need to be scared of that. I think that needs to be put out there and uh and people people will see will see the benefits of it you're always going to have the detractors you're always going to have those people that doesn't matter where your cows are they 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 don't want people to have cows that's that's you're not you're not winning that you're not winning that argument but uh for the people that are interested in wearing knowing where their cow their 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 feed food comes from um then then they are the ones that that should should be uh, should be interested in, in, in learning the benefits of, of house cows. People might be interested to understand, obviously cow comfort is really important, um, but in the end of the day, we're um, here to operate a business as well. So what are some of those key profit drivers for your system here specifically um, that are really important to yourself and Karen? So yeah, our focus on homegrown feed is, is something that we, we, uh, we do hang our hats on. Um, yeah, we yeah two thousand hectares of cropping every year, both on dry land irrigation. We're an eighteen inch rainfall, predominantly uh, growing season, winter spring, um, which which allows us to to conserve a lot of feed uh, in that time. And then second to that is margin over feed costs. We're not in- interested in in an unprofitable forty five liters a cow if we can average thirty six and 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 have a better margin over feed cost. That's what we're that's what we're interested in. So yeah, that that, and then obviously these flow-on effects that I spoke about earlier regarding, buddy, uh, getting rid of our Frisian males or reducing our Frisian males and getting a high-value product in a in a beef cross calf and a Frisian female and having a better quality Frisian female through the use of genomics, uh, genomic testing, and only breeding from our better animals, uh, using using the export market as as a uh, as a as another income stream and yeah beef beef animals as a as an income stream both wagyu and beef um is is where we get it's it's not about producing milk to truck out that's not our only that's not our only paycheck but uh but yeah the value added part of what we do is also is also a big thing is is putting a bit more thought into that bobby calves is an issue within the industry we're looking to get away from that and and we raise all our carbs anyway, so anything that drops out of a cow 
on farm is a calf that we want because we put that calf in that cow uh, and then we raise them all and, and, and pretty much raise to a finished product uh, all the way through on the beef side, getting our, getting our beef F1s in calf, raising them out and, and, and carving them down here, selling excess uh, off farm, yeah, the export job and even Frisian steers. We, we do raise our Frisian steers to a two-year-old, 600, 650 kilo uh, bullock and, and sell that as well. So every animal that we, we, we that drops on farm, we raise on farm and we finish on farm. Do you think you've got that ability to control that output also though because of your great reliance of homegrown feed here, of what you are able to grow on farm as well? Not just under irrigation, but also your dry land with your cropping regime, being able to grow those animals out to maximise? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we have come to the realisation that we've been underutilising our, our dry land uh, crops as well. So we are finding that we're doing more and more dry land silage, loosen over so into barley. Uh, and then by cutting that early in the season, we're allow that's allowing us to get one, maybe two cuts of dry land loosen. Uh, as well before the irrigation even comes into play. So we can use that irrigation to graze over winter while our crops are all uh, getting set up at the back. And then once we do get those those two to three cuts of silage off uh, before we can we can kick the animals, the young stock out the back onto onto good good quality tucker and then utilize the irrigation over summer. So you've got a lot of different skill sets that you need obviously, to manage uh, everything that you guys do here from the, um, you know, essentially your cropping operation of the business, um, feed, nutrition, through to animal health and welfare. Who or what are the people that you use around you, but also your own skill set to ensure that you keep, um, I guess, well across all of the different facets of your business? What's the kind of the training that you've done, but also um by way of consultants or what have you what do you use in that area to assist you in your business so yeah with this sort of with this sort of stuff uh having the having the confidence to know or the ability to know what you don't know <laughs> uh is is awesome because as you don't need to know everything as long as you have people that know the stuff that you don't in your phone or close at hand i think that's that's the key we've got an awesome agronomist locally uh, in Matt Howe, he's from 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 dry land, dry land barley canola through to through to maize. This carrot seed we're looking at doing. Uh, he loves the challenge and he loves pushing pushing production, uh, which is what we love to do here as well. Uh, we use nutritionist Vicky McDonald, uh, who, who's who's excellent as well. Loves uh, loves looking for that margin over feed cost. Um, so yeah. You do, you do need to, to rely on a lot of expertise, especially when you start really pushing production and, and walking, that, walking that thin red line. Um, yeah, and, and it's just having, having and knowing the right people is, is the key to my management style anyway. So for other farmers who might be looking at exploring this system or understanding it more, um, what would you say to those farmers on um, where they should turn to look for options or explore going down this path more? Uh, with 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 social media and and the industry itself, I guess the industry itself is is shrinking, which is a good thing and a bad thing. 
Uh, more and more people know more and more people. So getting out there, there's a lot more of these uh, compost barns, freestyle barns, sand bedded barns around the place now is to get hold of get older guys that run in those circles and and speak to speak to the farmers. A lot of the farmers, we've had a lot of farms farmers come over our place uh, over over the last half a dozen years, look at the barn and all the rest, and they've gone on to build some 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 amazing, amazing facilities. Uh, so there's a lot bigger and a lot better stuff uh, out there. And these guys, I've gone and visited quite a few of them since they've come to come to me, and they're always they're always keen to uh, to talk about what they've done, what they've done right, and what and even more importantly, what they've done wrong. And and I'm very honest uh, and open with with those two things as well. Get it out there, put it out on social media. Who can help me with, buddy? Uh, who can help me with a compost barn? Who knows someone that can help me with a compost barn, freestyle barn? Get out there. Don't be afraid to ask some 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 stupid questions. So, last question as a wrap up for you: Where to next for you guys? What's the plan for the Fisher family at Meningi? Uh, yeah, like as I mentioned earlier, we're looking at putting in in fans, fans into the existing barn. Uh, just to just to further increase that that uh, that that uh, cow that cow comfort, and then down the track, medium term, two to three years, we would like to be thinking we would put in a a uh, second barn, but have that running with um with uh, robots, and then that would be next to our existing barn, which would allow us to further integrate the barn that we can't have into the facility there to go from, from five robots out to 15 and eventually have the two barns connected through, through VMSs, uh, doing all the milking and, and uh, taking out the, the big chunk of early morning work and, and the nighttime work and sort of structure, structure our farm with a bit more uh, user-friendly hours, I think. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and we really appreciate your insight. Um, into your system and what you guys do here. So thanks so much. No problem. Thanks to Brad and Beck for a close-up look at a TMR system. Brad offered plenty of food for thought on perception surrounding housed herds and it's certainly an issue that's only going to grow as more sheds are being built around the country. If you're considering a house system, feel free to contact my colleague Karen Romano who looks after feed and farm systems for Dairy Australia. You can email her at karen.romano at dairyaustralia.com.au that's it for this episode. You can find other Dairy Pod episodes, as always, on SoundCloud, or you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is that you find your favourite podcasts. Thanks for listening. Until next time, bye for now.